to be fair, it's a hard position to be put in as a company because you don't want to be the company that's saying on the record, we are not trafficking in children. Welcome to You're Wrong About, where we return to topics that we talked about not that long ago because so much has happened somehow. Oh, God. Or nothing has happened. Or nothing has happened, but a lot is happening on Facebook. A lot of long phrases are getting hashtagged. Welcome to You're Wrong About, the show where I could be having a completely free Wednesday night if not for Mark Zuckerberg and his, quote, choices. Yes. <laughs> But I'm happy to be here with you, Mike. I'm Michael Hobbs. I'm a reporter for The Huffington Post. I'm Sarah Marshall. I'm working on a book about the satanic panic, which keeps getting longer. Just like this endless episode that we're about to do. Mm-hmm. And we are on Patreon at patreon.com slash you're wrong about. And we're on PayPal and other places. And we've been designing disco t-shirts for you guys. Very excited about that. And God, today, I mean, this is like kind of a mini, another mini episode. It's a mini episode on top of a regular episode. So it's like when you get a Bloody Mary where they put like a little cheeseburger on as a garnish. So like, this is the little (laughs) cheeseburger garnish part. And then once you get through this, then there's like a whole other drink. Oh, God. (laughs) So one of the things that we love about our listeners is that oftentimes someone on the internet will be like saying some bullshit and then you'll find like one of our listeners in the replies being like, that's not true. I learned about it on You're Wrong About. Boom. And they get a link to our show. And so we've become like ammunition yeah. for people like well actually others, which I love. We're a footnote. We're, we're footnotes. We're dynamic, yes. cuddly footnotes. And so we thought we would like make a more deliberate kind of primer on the numbers that you see floating around right now. So we're basically just going to go through a bunch of the numbers that are on like various Instagram posts. All right, let's do it. So, okay, so we have some numbers, but first of all, do we want to talk about the Wayfair thing? Yeah, I mean, I know, I feel like I know the basics of it, which is that people were looking at items on Wayfair that were like, chests or freezers or like like large items that cost like fifty thousand dollars like way more than you would think that they Mm -hmm. would actually cost yeah they should have been like 500 bucks and they're like ten thousand. right and so rather than assuming that like a decimal place got put in the wrong part of the number somehow Mm -hmm. a conspiracy evolved that these items were so expensive because they were being used to traffic children in. Mm-hmm. The money you spend on the item includes the cost of the child who may be either literally shipped to you or like maybe you get them some other way. But I'm I'm given to assume that the kid was supposed to just be shipped in inside of the furniture. And what definitely did not help, you know, like cabinets have funky names, right? Yeah. It turns out a lot of the products that were being sold, like one of them was called the Annabelle Shelf. And then people started looking around and there was a girl named Annabelle Wilson who went missing. And so it starts (laughs) to look like what you're really doing is you're basically purchasing this specific child. Okay. There was also a cabinet or something called Samia. And there was a girl named Samia Moomin that went missing. And so a lot of the screen grabs that went around were sort of like this the picture of this cabinet and then a picture of this girl that had disappeared. When does wait, when does this start going around? Give us a timeline here. The first tweet about this was June 14th from a QAnon account. 
So it started on Twitter and then it moved to the conspiracy theories board on Reddit. And apparently that's where it like really caught fire. So the traffickers kidnapped this girl, Mm -hmm. kept her in layaway, Mm -hmm. and some traffickers are selling her to to some clients using the Wayfair system. Yes. I will also say Wayfair did not help. Okay. (laughs) So it wasn't just cabinets that were really expensive. There was also these weird things that the same pillow or the same shower curtain would be on Wayfair for like 50 bucks. And then it would be listed elsewhere on the site for like 10,000 bucks. Okay. A couple days after this, like once it really explodes, Wayfair puts out a statement. The statement says, there is of course no truth to these claims. The products in question are industrial grade cabinets that are accurately priced. Mm-hmm. Wayfair is basically saying like, well, of course the cabinet costs $50,000. It's industrial. <laughs> It costs $50,000 because of the absence of children. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, it sounds sketchy. I feel like (laughs) what people want is like some kind of breakdown of like, why? Like if people could have like an itemized list of where that money is going, I think that's, that's what I would want. I mean, an actual explanation of why the products were at these bananas prices would have been way better than being like, oh, the prices aren't bananas. The prices are fine. Yeah. Because it doesn't do anything for the pillow that costs $50 or $10,000. If your parents catch you sneaking out to go to Jeff's house, you're not going to get very far by being like, I wasn't sneaking out. I was checking on the storm window. Like instead you have to be like, I was sneaking out, but... Jeff has cancer. Always use cancer. (laughs) You know? It's not persuasive to act like the thing you're doing that is not normal is in fact normal. Like no one likes that. I mean, I think this is so typical of conspiracy theories where there's something that is out of the ordinary. Mm -hmm. And then people jump to an extremely specific counter explanation for the thing. Mm -hmm. Because this doesn't have to be child sex trafficking. This could be like drug trafficking. Yeah. Maybe these cabinets are $50,000 because they're full of cocaine. Yeah. Right? Or maybe it's some weird money laundering thing. I mean, anything. it doesn't have to be like an innocent explanation. Yes. Other than the kids' names, the only other evidence that this was child sex trafficking is apparently there is a Russian search engine called Yandex. Okay. And if you type in the sort of 10-digit product code into Uh Yandex and then you follow it with Source USA, so SRC USA, like any website from the USA, you hit enter. Apparently, I have not done this for very obvious reasons, but apparently you would get like child pornography photos. Of course, what journalists find out, hopefully with like an incognito window or something, is that if you type anything into this search engine with Source USA after it, you get images of child porn. Like at like words, like the word cotton. Yeah, you can type in like cat playing with piece of string and then Source <gasps> USA, like these weird little letters at the end. And wow. Get, like it's just a really sketchy Russian website with a lot of porn on it. Apparently. So it's like a website that has a child pornography search code and like, <laughs> okay, there's a great scoop there. Like what I know. the hell is going on with this web, with the search engine? That's the story here. Pearls before Redditors, man. And then, of course, within days, people start to figure out that all of these, quote unquote, missing kids Uh that, you know, are supposed to be stashed in the cabinets, the vast majority of them came home years ago. Uh This poor girl, Samia Moomin, she has come home. This girl goes on Facebook Live and she says, like, (gasps) this was actually a really painful period in my life. And it's not fun to go onto the Internet and find all of these photos 
that like my yeah. family was putting around the city looking for me. Yeah. I am not missing. I am not trafficked. Take me off of the internet, please. I'm not even this picture anymore. Exactly. But so what's frustrating about this is it's very similar to me to the jet fuel can't melt steel beams thing. Oh, with with 9-11? What is yeah. that again? This is like where internet sleuthery gets you, right? This idea okay. that there's like the meta explanation that is baked into a lot of conspiracy theories that like I, a random person with no specialist knowledge, mm-hmm. can do all of this sort of Wikipedia level research and crack these massive conspiracies. So the explanation of the jet fuel can't melt steel beams thing was that with 9-11, you know, the planes hit the towers and the towers eventually collapse. Mm-hmm. The conspiracy theory explanation is that apparently jet fuel only burns at 800 degrees or something. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know the numbers, but it's some, it's some number. Some that, very high number. Yes, it's a very high number. And then to melt steel... Steel has to be like 1,200 degrees. Okay. Again, I'm making up these numbers, but some number higher than jet fuel burns at. You're going to get some hate mail from metallurgists. Yes, please do not. Please do not email us. (laughs) So as soon as these rumors start going around, actual structural engineers point out steel does not have to liquefy to lose a lot of its strength. Uh-huh. Like maybe you could crash a huge thing into it. Maybe yes. then. If you heat steel up to whatever it was, 800 degrees, it's going to become mm-hmm. really fucking weak and it can't hold up the other floors of the building and the building collapses. Right. So it's all these people without specialist knowledge who are speculating about these technical things that they do not understand and coming up with yeah. these Baroque theories. So mm-hmm. the same thing happens here where people look mm-hmm. into this and they're like, well, why else would the cabinets be $50,000? And then... <sighs> People who actually work in online retail point out that a lot of the pricing on online retail sites these days is algorithmic. So the vendors, it's all like these third-party vendors that are posting ads on Wayfair, Mm -hmm. they'll actually troll other websites – and be like, oh, well, that cabinet on this other website is 200 bucks, so we're going to price it at 300 bucks. Mm-hmm. Prices change all the time. And, like, human beings do not look at these things, right? So sometimes the algorithms can go a little haywire. There was infamously a textbook, a medical textbook on Amazon that was priced at $24 million a couple <laughs> years ago. Because there were two companies, and each one of them was watching the other company's website and they would raise their price. So if you go to 100, I go to 200, you go to 300, I go to 400. And it just kept climbing up and up and up and up before anybody noticed. Oh, my God. There's also a thing that it looks like Wayfair doesn't like it when third-party vendors have items out of stock. Like it, it reduces your rating on Wayfair to like have a bunch of items that are out of stock. So when you run out of a pillow, instead of saying it's sold out, what you do is you just change the price to $10,000 and then nobody ever tries to buy it again. Oh, yeah. But anyway, I mean, I don't know. It's so like perfunctory to debunk these things because of course it wasn't true. Well, but then, I mean, what it shows us is that there are an appreciable number of people who do believe, and I think this is kind of getting to our next segment, that like child trafficking looks like this. Like it looks like kids mm-hmm. being put into cabinets and shipped via Federal Express. Yeah. I mean, there's also the thing that is important to a lot of moral panics, this idea that it's hiding in plain sight. Mm -hmm. You know, you often see this thing of, you know, they put zip ties on your car. And then when you come over to investigate them, that's when they kidnap you. It's this idea that after that, every time you see a zip tie, you're like, oh, the traffickers, like this is evidence. I see it, but other people don't see it. It's this idea that there's these innocuous things around you that are signs of something sinister. And I think 
these high prices on a random website, it's just like those zip ties, right? Where it's like out of the ordinary, but it's also common enough that it can make you think that this problem is everywhere because every time you see a high price on a retail website after that, you're like, oh, the traffickers. This is like Dr. Pastor logic. He's like, oh my God, Michelle has a rash. Like that proves that Satan wrapped his actual tail around her actual neck. Exactly. So, um... Do you want to uh, talk about some numbers now? Oh, my God. Can we talk about my favorite number first? I, I was just about to send you a screen grab of it. Is it the one, the 666 one? Yes. Here, I'm sending you the screen grab. So it's funny because this is in that kind of like live, laugh, love. I know. Aesthetic. Totally. Of like sort of wall art that you see yeah. at home goods. Yeah. And so at the top, it has an image of, it's not an image, it's like a stencil kind of cut out of a hypodermic needle. Mm-hmm. And underneath that, it says a child in America is 66,667 times more likely to be sold to human traffickers than die of COVID-19. In addition, your masks assist in them being transported undetected <laughs> and unidentified (laughs) by anyone. I do love that they said 66,667. Like they didn't didn't go all the way. They're like, no, we don't want to be too obvious. Yeah, it just makes it look like a more legitimate (laughs) number, right? You're totally thrown off. So, of course, I mean, this is so dumb, but I did did the math on this. Please give us the math. The math is bound to be spectacular. The number that I could find, I mean, it's hard to get good numbers on this, but the number that I could find is that 76 children have died of COVID Mm -hmm. as of, I think this was like as of July 23rd. So it's not an update number, but it doesn't matter because this whole thing is fake anyway, so who cares? But anyway, if you multiply that by 66,667, you get 5 million kids. So Mm -hmm. in the time that we've had COVID, 5 million kids have been sold to traffickers. So 5 million, so like a million kids a month is what that breaks down to. That number is 7% of the total number of children in the population. I guess that's my next question. Are these being shown to us as the same number is the same level of direness or are there statistics where it's like the numbers used to be lower, but they're higher because of the masks? The masks thing has become a weirdly prominent aspect of this moral panic in the last couple of months. Uh-huh. I, it's not clear to me what the logic is, because I guess the logic is that if you're a trafficker and you kidnap a child, if the child has a mask on, then people yeah. will not recognize that as a missing child. But like how many members of the population know what the missing children look like, first of all. And second of all, if the myth is that a million children are going missing every month, then like before I go to Walmart, I'm supposed to know what all the missing children look like in my area. Well, there's like 20,000 missing children in Washington state by that math. If you just break it down to like every state gets the same amount. So say it's like 5,000 in the Seattle area. So you just have to memorize the names and faces of 5,000 missing kids. Yeah, just going through my binder every morning, 5,000 yeah. kids. Like uh, preparing Miranda Priestley for a gala. I, I actually think that there's something really pernicious in this ad, which doesn't get remarked upon. Okay. The, the thing that really bugs me about it is this idea that they're being sold to human traffickers. Yes. That there's this idea that children are being kidnapped, and then there's this international network of sort of shady businessmen who are literally buying and selling children. I mean, this is what the Wayfair conspiracy was based on, too. Yeah. Two full transactions are taking place here and like three separate abuse events where like the child is kidnapped, the child is sold to the traffickers, and then the traffickers then turn around and I guess sell the child to someone else. So it's like... Exactly. Yeah. It's like an economic 
world apparently Mm -hmm. where there are middlemen and brokers and corporations and like just this whole robust economy of child snatching and sorting and selling. Yes. And I want to be crystal clear that there is no evidence that that has ever happened. Yeah. What I think this depends on is this idea that there is some rapacious demand for sex with children. Everyone in society should know that attraction to children is quite rare in the population. People who are attracted to prepubescent children, we know that it is less than 1% of the entire population. It is actually quite rare for people to be attracted to prepubescent children. And then what are the numbers for people actually acting on that? Well, this is the thing. We don't know, but we know that it's relatively small because they do these uh, phallometry tests where they can actually test the amount of arousal that you exhibit based on certain photos. So they can show you Mm -hmm. photos and see how aroused you get. And so there's some debate over like how good this measurement is, but based on the information that we have, most people who are attracted to prepubescent children are not only attracted to prepubescent children. So what we are pretty sure of is that the vast Mm -hmm. majority of people that are attracted to prepubescent children live their lives. They get married to people. They probably never tell anyone about it. Maybe they tell a therapist, but like they get married, they have kids, they live their lives. They don't really act on it. That's it. So it's, it's not the majority of people who have these attractions who act on them. Or they, they lead solitary lives. But the point is that it's possible to harbor these feelings without letting your life be guided by them. But so the other barrier that I think is also really important. So Pedophilia is pretty rare in the population. Acting on pedophilia is pretty rare. And the number of people who are interested in purchasing sex with abused children is also very small. I realize this is really disturbing to talk about, but actual abuse cases, actual abuse of children, which is predominantly done by relatives, acquaintances, or people in positions of power, part of the grooming process is pedophiles convincing themselves that these relationships are consensual. Yeah. That it's actually very rare for a child molester to like identify as a child molester. Yeah. What they think that they are doing is having a relationship. Yeah. And so if you are purchasing sex with a kidnapped child who is, you know, in a hotel room or chained or bound in some other way, extremely upset, that destroys that fantasy, right? It reminds them that they are harming children and they do not want to be reminded of that. And so again, just the market of people who are interested in these kinds of transactions with children are vanishingly small. It doesn't mean it doesn't happen, but there just isn't a market for this kind of behavior with prepubescent children. Yeah. Like, Within this this very rare in the scheme of things means of molesting a child, I think it is like still rare to molest a child or to abuse a child in the way that we're being taught to envision every single instance of anything like this. Right. And this is also, again, disturbing to think about, but there's also just the logistics of it. That most people who are violating against children, there's oftentimes substance abuse issues, there's oftentimes mental illness issues. These are not very functional people, typically, the ones who actually offend. And so the idea that they're interested in paid sex with a minor and they are good enough at the dark web, they have these networks of international elites, they have enough money to be paying for this on a regular basis. I mean, that's just like another leap of implausibility. Mm -hmm. There's not that many people that are interested in harming a child in this way and capable of purchasing this kind of activity. Right. I mean, I feel like if I'm someone 
who wants to harm a child, it's hard for me to couple that with the kind of like very calculated executive function yeah. that you would need in order to go through this whole complicated kind of dark web transaction process. And then also, you know, the people who are being envisioned in these conspiracy theories, you know, QAnon is very much about the alleged misdeeds of the Hollywood elite. Like, mm -hmm. I think that within this scenario, it's supposed to be, you know, wealthy, powerful people. Mm -hmm. But it can't all be the elites if we're talking about these numbers. Right. And also, I mean, if we look at the real cases that we know about, right, of people like R. Kelly or Jeffrey Epstein, mm -hmm. you know, Jeffrey Epstein is about as close to this stereotype as you get. I mean, he had a plane called the Lolita Express. So, like, he's right. really a great example of someone who knew what they were doing. But what's interesting about the Epstein case is that was he buying kids online? No, he was using his power to make people trust him. This is the same thing that R. Kelly did. I'm going to make you a singer. Yeah. When we see real cases of this, it's not people that are just like buying kids off of some shipping container or using the dark <laughs> web. It's people with power and without accountability. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that they're global elites and they're flying you around on private jets. Mm -hmm. It can just be a soccer coach who's very well liked by all the other teachers in the school. Mm -hmm. The thing that drives me nuts about all of this like kidnapped kid stuff is it distracts us from the fact that in real cases, the problem is not that victims don't come forward. The problem is not that nobody sees anything. It's that they do see things, they do report things, and nothing happens. Mm -hmm. All of this is a distraction from the mm -hmm. patterns that we see in real cases of child abuse. Mm -hmm. So even in Epstein's case, who clearly didn't have like a moral objection to sexually abusing children. Even Epstein was not like a buying and selling kids on some sort of international network. Because why bother? Like why create more work for yourself? There's actually, I found a really interesting study of every single human trafficking case that has been prosecuted in the United States between 2000 and 2015. Do you know how many of those cases were from organized cartels? Zero? Literally zero. Mm -hmm. I mean, there were some that were linked to gangs, like three or four people. There were some mm -hmm. that were sort of like mom and pop. They call them operations. But there was nothing with any ties internationally. There was nothing with any level of hierarchy or organization. I really don't think we should use the word trafficking unless it's like totally unavoidable, which I don't know when it would be, because it's like if we if we mean traffic in terms of like you know, anyone engaging in underage sex work for any reason in any situation is trafficked. Mm -hmm. People don't picture that when they hear the word trafficking. Oh, totally. I mean, what they picture you see you being crammed into a Wayfair cabinet. Oh, yeah. And also, like, if you're a, you know, queer kid who runs away at age 16 from your extremely abusive and violent parents, you end up being homeless. You have no options because there's no services available for homeless youth in America. The only way that you're going to get a warm place to sleep is by having sex with somebody. So you have sex with that person and you sleep over at their house. Does calling that trafficking, like, does that help anyone? Yeah. We're going to send away the guy who purchased sex with a teenager. Maybe he knew she was 16. Maybe he didn't. He definitely should have known. He's now a trafficker. He goes away for 40 years. Great. Does that give her a place to stay? Does it make her less vulnerable to that happening to her again? Does that make her less likely to have needed to run away to begin with? Does it make families better? Exactly. So it's just like, fine, if you want to call it trafficking, but it's, it's not clear that that's helping anybody. Yeah. Okay, uh, next number. Do you want to do another number? Yes. So another one that we have been sent, I don't have a screen grab of this one. This is the exact wording. 
300,000 times per year, underage girls are sold for sex. Can I choose like red, yellow, green for these? Like the Snopes <laughs> scale where like red is like totally untrue. Yellow is like, mm, I okay, maybe kind of. And green is like, yes. Mm. But I feel like this is a yellow one. We're like, I believe that there can be like 300,000 individual transactions between clients and underage sex workers who are being coerced into sex work and aren't legally able to consent. Right. Like, that seems possible. This number is actually a sort of game of telephone version of a uh -huh. number that has been around for years. This is one of the most prominent numbers that you find, that 300,000 children in the United States are at risk of being trafficked. Which is the vaguest statistic in the whole world. Yes. Because I'm at risk of every fucking thing. I mean, just on its face, the idea of people being at risk of something is completely absurd because we're all technically at risk of everything. I'm at risk of a meteor right now, and yet I right. bravely carry on. Also, it is based on a 2001 study where they break at-risk kids into 17 categories. So there's like hmm. homeless children, kids in public housing. One of them is female gang members. One mm. of them is child victims of unwanted exposure to sexual materials via the internet. Mm. And of course, they're all overlapping, right? Because yeah. some of the kids that are homeless also get sent dick texts. Like they can be at risk yes. so many ways all at once. This is like the trajectory that they go through in the, in the paper. It's kind of amazing. There's 523,000 runaways, which isn't true, but we'll get to that later. 35% of those are away from home for more than a week. That also is not true, by the way. Mm -hmm. And then of that, 30% of them are at risk of being trafficked. No no methodology given. They're just like, ah, it feels like uh, 30%. Yeah. This is not a recipe. Yes. You are not adding nutmeg. So this is how they get to 300,000, is they just add up all the categories. <laughs> and the author of the paper now says that he would not publish it today. <laughs> So uh. this number, I mean, this number appears on like anti-trafficking websites to this day. So it just is sort of it like we started off with a real number of something <laughs> and then extrapolated that to like sort of random numbers of other things. Yeah. And then the researcher disowned their own work. Yes. And the Internet doesn't care. Although this methodology actually shows up elsewhere. So there's an infamous University of Texas Austin study that says that 79,000 children are trafficked in Texas alone. Hmm. And the way that they calculate that number is of the 290,000 children who experience abuse in Texas, 25% of them will be trafficked. <laughs> it's not clear where they get this 25% from, but they're just like, okay, a lot of kids experience abuse. 25% of them will be trafficked. Math, math, math. 79,000 kids are being trafficked in Texas. Mm -hmm. The most amazing thing about this study, and you find this so much in trafficking statistics, we have the estimate that there are 79,000 children victims of trafficking in Texas, right? They then note in the same study that in the previous year, the police in Texas only identified 320 victims of trafficking. And the implication is that the police are doing... A terrible, terrible job, job, which is a weird thing for a conservative meme to be implying yes. when you think about it. We, we know that other types of crimes are underreported, right? Everybody knows that for every like rape that gets reported to the police, there's three or four or ten that don't get reported. Mm -hmm. For this number to work, for every reported case of child trafficking, there would have to be 256 that are not reported. There is no other crime 
that has a ratio like that. If things were happening on the scale, and I think this probably comes back to some degree to the fact that um, people, I think, are bad at visualizing what a a lot of an item would look like. Yeah. You cannot <laughs> picture, you know, 60,000, 300,000 children. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Next number. I'm just going to send you a tweet. There you go. Okay. All right. Do you want to read the tweet or I guess read the infographics the tweet contains? I do. It's also weird because a lot of these have that fuzzy look where like you can tell they've been sort of like screen grabbed and passed around a few times. Right. Like sort of folded up in somebody's pocket. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this graphic says missing children per year. Spain, 20,000. Australia, 25,000. France, 39,000, which is like a nice specific, not round number that makes it look more credible. Mexico, 45,000. Canada, 50,000. Germany, 100,000. United Kingdom, 230,000. United States, 800,000. 800,000. And then there is an accompanying image, and it's in that, like, classic meme look with, like, impact font. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it says, children don't just disappear. Yeah. And then it's images of four red shoes, which I know are like a theme in QAnon. Yeah, it's very it. Yeah. Yes. So this number goes around a lot. This this idea that there's 800,000 missing kids in America. And 100,000 in Germany. I mean, <laughs> every number on that infographic is wrong, by the way. I looked up the other countries. Really? I mean, just to pick one, it says that there's 230,000 kids go missing in the UK. It's actually 112,000. Uh-huh. But anyway, putting that aside... I like the 800,000 number because sometimes you come across numbers in human trafficking that are like fractally wrong. Like at any level of detail, they're wrong in a different and new way. (laughs) So first of all, 800,000 is not the number of missing kids in America. I don't, I don't know why this has, I mean, I do know why this has caught on with people because it's a really big number, but Mm -hmm. this number is from a 2002 study and it's based on 1999 data. Mm-hmm. One thing I really don't like about these things is that we always see this phrase go missing, right? Of kids go missing every year. Mm-hmm. What these big numbers refer to is not kids who disappear. These are reports of missing children. Mm-hmm. And there's a huge difference because the same study that found there were 800,000 reports of missing children that year also found that 99.8% of them returned home. Mm-hmm. So if you believe the 800,000 number, you also have to believe the 99.8 number. Mm-hmm. So that number was based on a survey that collected all of the reports to the police of missing children, plus people that report it to like NGOs and stuff. Like there's other agencies that take reports of missing children. So there's kids that are getting counted twice. Yes, exactly. There's kids that are getting counted twice. And also that also counts kids that run away more than once. Oh, okay. Which is actually quite common, like especially kids in abusive foster care situations or custody battles. If there's like a really ugly custody battle going on, my husband took the kids for the weekend and he didn't bring them back. Mm -hmm. You have to report that to the police as missing for them to go to your husband's house and try to get them back for you. And oftentimes that will happen a number of times in the year because you're still legally obligated potentially to give the kids to your husband. So a lot of these reports are actually being generated by like the same kids over and over again. So if your parents had like a really nasty custody battle in 1999, you can look at that number and be like, yeah, Yeah. like 50 of those are me. Yeah. I'm that good. A much more recent number than that is that in 2019, 
there were 421,000 kids reported missing to the FBI. Doesn't sound as good, Mike, does it? And same thing with this FBI number, over 99% of the kids come home. And so as we have discussed on the show so many times, we think there's somewhere around 115 actual stranger danger kidnappings of children per year. Mm -hmm. Another piece of evidence for this, this is actually interesting, there's only 161 Amber Alerts in 2018. Mm -hmm. So if there's like this massive wave of missing children, it's a little weird that there's only 161 Amber Alerts because stranger danger kidnappings are exactly what Amber Alerts are designed for. Yeah. There's also, have you seen this number, that the average trafficking victim or the average sex worker, depending on which screen grab you look at, starts commercial sex when they're 13 years old. Have you seen this? I have not seen that one. I like this one because it's based on the same 2001 article that produced the 300,000 kids are at risk of trafficking statistic. Mm. So it's already debunked by the guy that wrote it. That number comes from qualitative interviews with 107 sex workers. Mm -hmm. There's also a 1982 survey of sex workers where they asked sex workers how old they are the first time they had sex. Mm -hmm. And the average age was 13 and a half. Which is a different question. Yes. What I also love about this statistic is that Polaris, which is one of the biggest anti-trafficking organizations in the country, mm -hmm. Polaris itself has a debunking of this statistic. Really? Good for them. Making good choices. The anti-trafficking organizations don't even stand by this one. Yeah, that's bad. So please stop smashing that like button. When you see it. <laughs> okay, next number. Let me send you another screen grab. Da, 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 da. Oh, boy. So we have the silhouette of a person with, with long hair, mm -hmm. kind of a Rachel. Mm -hmm. And... The text says human trafficking is one of the fastest growing criminal enterprises in the world, which makes it sound like they're trying to recruit you to be a major in human trafficking <laughs> with an estimated 40.3 million victims worldwide at any given time. Victims are young children, teenagers, women and men. It's it's people. Those are just all the people. Not non-binary people. Well, young yeah. children, but not adult people who identify as neither women nor men. They yes. are safe. No, everyone else is, is fucked. Non-binary, we just want you to know everything's going to be fine. You're going to be okay. So I'm going to talk about this 40.3 million victims worldwide number. Okay. So this 40.3 million figure comes from the International Labor Organization. And mm -hmm. this is one of those ones where we have to keep zooming in on the number because 40 million trafficking victims includes an extremely wide range of behavior. So first of all, around 16 million of those victims are in forced marriages. Oh. So this is a weird thing that has happened that the legal definition now includes everyone who is in a forced marriage. And how are we defining a forced marriage while we're on the subject? It includes anyone who was made to enter a marriage in the last five years, regardless of their age. What does made to mean, though, even? Well, exactly. I mean, this is the problem with these statistics is that yeah. there's a huge spectrum of like forcedness within that. Yes. I don't want to go down a whole rabbit hole because like I would need to spend a lot of time looking into this issue to discuss it with any level of nuance. But I, I think the main thing is that it's not what 99.9% .9 of people would consider trafficking to be. Yeah. If you want to question the ethics of having, a, you know, marriages arranged by uh, the parents of the bride and groom or what have you, 
that are happening in a country where you don't live and mm-hmm. where you maybe don't know anyone, then you can like sit, you know, with that and think about, mm-hmm. is this something where I can learn enough to determine whether or not my opinion is helpful here? But it's not right. as exciting as a number like 40 million. Right. I mean, I will also say that like as somebody who worked in development for 11 years, I think that if you're looking for a development issue, some way that you feel like you can be helping the developing world, don't pick something that's like a deeply entrenched cultural practice like this that you don't know about. Like if you don't speak the language of a country, don't start getting yourself involved in its like relationships between men and women type institutions. I don't want to defend practices and say that like they're good. I'm just saying that like if you don't know that much about this and you just heard about it on a screen grab on Instagram, don't get involved. Fix things in America where like you actually know how things work. Right. So once we take out the 15 million that are in forced marriages, we're left with 25 million. Okay. So 20 million of these people, the vast majority are forced laborers. Mm-hmm. This is anybody who is working under conditions where they cannot leave, basically. They do not have to be moved across borders. So this can be somebody in the town where they grew up not being paid or they were lied to about their recruitment conditions. Or they're being paid under the table and they can't go to anyone to try and enforce being paid a living wage. A huge component of this is undocumented immigrants. Right. I've interviewed people in America who are undocumented immigrants and their bosses say, if you quit, if you complain that I'm not paying you, I will call ICE on you. So this is actually like a big problem in the world. Yeah. Although one of the weird methodological things with this, with all of the numbers that are produced by this ILO report, is that there's something in deep in the footnotes in the methodological appendices that they do this by surveying people. They talk to people on the phone. It seems there's some sort of in-person component of this. If they ask somebody whether they're in a forced marriage or they've done forced labor, if they refuse to answer, they mark that as they are a victim. Yeah, that's not great. It's not great. They also do a really weird thing where instead of asking you, like, are you a victim of forced labor? They ask you, are you or anyone in your immediate family a victim of forced labor? So again, you're getting, you know, people who are potentially being counted multiple times and that for one thing. Exactly. They're deliberately choosing methodologies that are going to make the numbers as high as possible. Mm -hmm. Again, so we started with 40 million. We remove everybody that's in a forced marriage. We're down to 25. Then we remove everybody who's in forced labor. We finally get a sexual exploitation. So according to this study, there are 5 million victims of forced sexual exploitation, of which 1 million are children. Mm -hmm. So if what you're concerned with is child sex trafficking, you should not be using the 40 million number. You should be using the 1 million number. Mm -hmm. What's very weird about this section of the report is that they don't actually survey people. This isn't based on anything. So what they're basically doing is they have another data set of survivors of trafficking, survivors of forced sexual exploitation. And basically what they do is they just apply the stories that they get from those victims to the various countries. So if, you know, some percentage of their victims are from Kenya, they'll just be like, oh, well, Kenya has like this many forced sex workers. Huh. This is actually a really big problem with like any global statistics is that because it's really, really, really expensive to do surveys in, you know, more than 190 countries, what they Mm -hmm. usually do is this like clustering thing. So rather than doing interviews with people in like Kenya, Uganda, Zambia, Zimbabwe, that's really expensive to do that in all four countries. So what you do is you just interview people in Kenya 
you get a sample there, and then you're like, okay, Uganda has around one-third the per capita GDP of Kenya, mm -hmm. so we assume that child sex trafficking is higher there because the poverty rates are higher. And so you adjust the number upwards and you say, well, Uganda has a smaller population than Kenya, so you adjust the number downwards. So you basically just take these numbers from Kenya hmm. and then you adjust them upwards and downwards according to various economic conditions in Uganda. Hmm. Yeah, I I don't I don't think that's good. This is my beef with any of these sort of like the the global slavery index is one of the worst ones. That's another trafficking one. Mm -hmm. What you're basically doing is you're assuming exactly the thing you're trying to find out. Yes. Like I was looking at police violence for our episode last week, right? So if you say like, well, okay, there's police in Britain shoot about three people a year and police in Germany shoot about 10 people a year. Well, US has a bigger population. So let's say police in America shoot 20 people a year. That's, that's good, right? And it's like, well, no, because the exact thing you're trying to find out is are there unique social, economic, and policy conditions in the United States that would make this behavior different there. If you're interested in child sex trafficking, you can't just say that Uganda has more because it has a higher poverty rate, because maybe Uganda has less. Mm -hmm. Maybe the country has really good policies that prevent child sex trafficking. Or maybe there's something in the culture that keeps this from happening as much as you would expect, mm -hmm. given its population, GDP, all of these other factors. This is the entire point of the exercise. Right, because presumably you are focused on finding out what the actual numbers would be because that's the first thing that you need to know mm -hmm. to get an accurate sense of like what do we need to do for some kind of intervention and so if you're not even looking directly at the actual country that you're projecting these statistics for then it's like mm -hmm. so you're flying blind like you don't know anything about the kind yeah. of trafficking that's taking place you don't know what industries it's clustering around like it's and it seems like you have more information than you actually do if you're reporting a number. Exactly, because it mm -hmm. sounds quantitative, but all of the stuff about sex in there is not actually based on any survey data. It's not really based on anything. It's just you applying these numbers of victims that you have already. Mm -hmm. Does all that make sense? Yes. Okay. You know, to me, what's what's most frustrating about this is that the phrase human trafficking essentially means nothing because yes. it means so many different Mm -hmm. things but if we're seeing memes about it on facebook and instagram then like you never see or i certainly mm -hmm. can never remember seeing a meme that is trying to show the face of like human trafficking in the sense of like your server might be getting screwed by their boss like right. of course it's not about that right. you know even if the numbers were 100% accurate to what they were claiming to describe, like the phrase human trafficking is just, it's useless at this point right. because it, people don't understand it as referring to the thing that it is mm -hmm. for the most part referring to. So it's just it, like language becomes unusable at that right. point. I mean, I've actually had two conversations in the last week with immigration and labor lawyers who work on trafficking cases. So one of the lawyers mm -hmm. I interviewed actually helps Trafficking victims apply for trafficking visas, right? There's a special trafficking visa status. First of all, they said that neither one of them have ever been contacted by the National Human Trafficking Hotline. There's this myth now that like, ooh, the Wayfair human trafficking conspiracy theory is like preventing the anti-trafficking organizations from doing their work. The trafficking hotlines don't do anything. The only thing they do is call the cops 
if that's what you need them to do. They don't actually perform any services. Like F. Murray Abraham and Inside Lewin Davis, they said, I don't see a lot of money here. (laughs) What you find when you start looking into the actual problems with forced labor in this country is that government policy is complicit in it the entire time. Mm -hmm. So what happens is a lot of people come to America on farm worker visas, which allow them to work legally, but do not allow them to change employers. So if you want to quit your job, you have to leave the country. Mm. This is a program that is designed for abuse. The employers know that their employees cannot leave or else they'll get deported. So they have no incentive to give them decent working conditions, no incentive to pay them on time, no incentive to follow through on any promises. Mm -hmm. This is what drives me nuts is that when you talk to the anti-trafficking organizations, you're like, okay, what, what do we need to solve this problem? Like, you're telling me this problem is huge. What do we need to solve it? And they say like, oh, more awareness. <laughs> more people need to know about it. We need to do like more trainings for cops, trainings for nurses, trainings for pilots. I do not know how much more aware people could Seriously, get at this point. We are wildly, like most Americans are more aware of human trafficking than like antibiotic resistance. Like there's a lot of issues <laughs> that we should be more aware of. Yeah. And this idea of awareness, it's like people are being trained to look for the kind of thing that they're not going to see very much. And, and we talked about this when we did this episode last mm-hmm. fall, but the thing where, you know, if you're if you're seeing these posters and you're looking for a child in visible distress who is mm-hmm. being stranger danger kidnapped in front of you, then like if you're looking really hard for that, you might not see other yes. things. This is another thing that drives me nuts that I've actually asked human trafficking organizations like the ones that I have mentioned on this episode. I've asked them, are there any cases where somebody has called one of your hotlines and a child has been rescued and they could not give me a case. (sighs) And meanwhile, one of these lawyers was telling me that when she helps her clients apply for T visas, for these trafficking visas, if they're turned down, ICE will go and deport them because Mm. their address is often on the paperwork. Oh, my God. And we have all these organizations that are saying, oh, we really need awareness, awareness, awareness. And then you look into it and you're like, no, there's actually some like pretty specific legal changes that we need. Mm-hmm. A change to the visa program. If you come here as a farm worker, if you leave your job, you have six months to find any other job you want. No questions asked. Mm. That would prevent a huge amount of trafficking. Ending homelessness. Mm-hmm. How many kids are engaging in sex acts because they don't have a place to stay. Mm -hmm. If we give them a place to stay, they will not be as desperate. Improving the foster care system for the love of God. For the love of God, right? It's like it's all right there. But it's not because it's this invisible, all-powerful cartel and they're shipping kids through Wayfair and they're making billions of dollars every year and they're hiding in plain sight. And so it's like, I feel like it it plays into just this desire for helplessness. You know, it's like, what can we do? What can we do? No one cares. And it's like, here's three things. And it's like, no, no, (laughs) the cartels are too big and too powerful. We just have to keep sharing memes. I just have to keep looking for zip ties. And the Chardonnay all day font. My sort of main takeaway and the thing that I try to hammer into people whenever I rant about this at parties, which is all the time back when there were parties, this is not normal. Which part? (laughs) I mean, (laughs) there's a lot of like, you know, random Harris County human trafficking task force. They'll say like human trafficking by the numbers and they'll list all of these numbers that we just talked about. Mm -hmm. 300,000 children at risk. They'll say 800,000 missing kids. These numbers swirl around, right? And they're old and they're sketchy. 
and the researchers don't even stand by them anymore. Mm. This is not normal. I worked in development for 11 years. I've been to a million conferences. I've talked to people that work on like deforestation or like female genital mutilation, income inequality. You ask them about these issues and they can tell you basic facts, right? How much deforestation yeah. is there in the world? Where is it happening? They don't have perfect information, but they have a general sense, right? And then you look at trafficking organizations and it's like, okay, how many people are trafficked? And they're like, well, there's this number from 2002, but like the person doesn't stand by it anymore. <gasps> and like we had to take it off our website because it's bad. No, this this is a basic fact about your main issue. What is the prevalence? Mm -hmm. For the last week for something else, I was looking into gun violence. 3,000 kids are killed every year by guns in this country. Mm -hmm. And you go to their websites and it's like, okay, it was like 2,700 last year and now it's like 2,800, right? And there's like different data sources and like they're broken down by sort of suicides and homicides and accidental and on purpose. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's like how many black kids and how many white kids and what are the ages of the kids? And then you look at trafficking organizations and a lot of these trafficking organizations, if you go to Shared Hope International, which is like one of the main anti-trafficking organizations, there's no fucking numbers on their website. They do not have a basic estimate of prevalence mm -hmm. and they don't seem to have any interest in getting better numbers. Mm -hmm. This issue has been a major moral panic in the United States for more than 20 years. Mm -hmm. And in all that time, millions, tens of millions of dollars in donations. They haven't put together a consortium of NGOs and a bunch of experts to try to really crack how this is happening, who it's happening to, where it's happening. Mm. The only numbers that this entire field is producing on a regular basis are the national trafficking hotline figures, which are literally anonymous calls to a hotline. They reflect nothing. All they reflect is how paranoid random members of the population are about this issue. Mm -hmm. It is completely inconceivable that you would want to solve a problem and be this uninterested in how it's actually happening. And then the Mobius strip that you get into is I can say, well, we don't have the numbers because the traffickers are so powerful and they cover up their tracks. And so it's hard to get an exact estimate. And then, you know, the response to that is like, okay, then why are we so sure that they're so high. Right. There's this family of statistics where we just want high numbers. And it was the same in, you know, Stranger Danger in the 80s. We talked about that. You know, Stranger Danger was mm -hmm. the chest burster from which the human <laughs> trafficking panic, like, <clears throat> matured. Yeah. And that seemed to have been based on a desire not to calmly assess the situation and do what needed to be done. Like, I think a lot of people did want to do that. But the the mm -hmm. broader cultural tenor of that was like, let's be scared all the time. Like, yeah. Let's yeah. find a reason to be in a state of fear and reactivity all the time, no matter what. And also, I mean, this this is one of my beefs with like the way that the media covers this, that go on Snopes, go on Washington Post, Wall Street Journal. There's so many fact checks of all of the numbers at the heart of the trafficking panic. And it's the same organizations putting out these bad numbers again and again. And so Washington Post will have like one of these fact check columns of like, oh, the 300,000 figure doesn't make any sense. The 800,000 figure doesn't make any sense. But anyway, sex trafficking is like a huge issue and we don't want to minimize it. And it's like this massive problem. And you're like, wait a minute, why are we still taking the fact that this is this huge issue that is worthy of posters in every fucking airport. Seriously, mm -hmm. we don't have the basic evidence. Yeah. It's like 
okay, you cheated on the last test and then you cheated on the test before that and you cheated on the test before that, but I'm just going to give you the test and like not look at you while you're taking it. It's no big deal. Like fool me over and over again over the course of decades <laughs> and like shame on me. Can I tell you my, uh, my theory about why we're seeing so much of this right now? Ooh, do it. Okay. I feel like what this fear reflects and I feel like what it reflected in the 80s and what, you know, the satanic panic reflects mm-hmm. so many other panics about children that like are claiming to be for the welfare of the child, but are like targeting something that is either like not a problem that many children are actually facing. Mm. You know, these panics that like are about protecting children, but always manage to miss the point spectacularly. Yeah. And I think that does reflect the fact that you cannot ignore that America is a dangerous country for children. They get shot. Mm. They shoot each other. Yeah. And we know how many toddlers shoot each other per year. And we can look at a chart and it's all right there. But like, it's not exciting to have actual numbers, is it? And it's not exciting to be like, what if we have to challenge our culture in this specific way to like yeah. make the world safer for our toddlers? Or what if, you know, just so many things that we need to do for children and so many of them are like hard and expensive and they involve actually listening to children and learning about what they need and like mm. not just sort of treating them as props for whatever political ideology we may have. I mean, and the fact that this is coming to a head around COVID and in the summer before we are going to start sending children back into school. Yeah. I do feel like there is some amount of projection and misdirection happening because we know that, you know, maybe kids do die of COVID at at much lower rates than other demographics, but like 76 children is still a lot of children. Yeah. And that number is going to get higher. And so it feels like a way of being like, yes, we are going to sacrifice all these children. Right. But you know who's sacrificing more children? Human traffickers. Yeah. I also think that there's a thing, and we've seen this before, for people that are sort of generally on the left, generally progressive, to be like, well, you know, at least we can all agree that we need to ensure the safety of children, right? Like Mm -hmm. a lot of the people jumping on the human trafficking bandwagon are like pretty left-wing celebrities. There's, you know, one of the fact checks I read had a quote from Amy Klobuchar, who was using one of these false human trafficking numbers. I think that a lot of people are coming to this issue from actually a good place. And I think we need to be very skeptical of the fact that this is a narrative, human trafficking, that is extremely important to the religious right, to conservatives, and to QAnon supporters. Mm -hmm. And like, if those are the people that are pushing this right now, and those are the people that keep bringing it up when we're in the middle of a pandemic for no particular reason, we need to ask ourselves if they are really acting in good faith for the protection of children. Mm -hmm. We just need to be really careful with the way that we amplify and accept the framing of organizations that seem like they share our values but are not working toward the same goals because that's exactly what we did during the stranger danger panic, right? It was like, well, this is a Reagan thing, but we can all agree that we need to keep children safe. Did that make children safer? No. All it did was give us like three strikes laws and charging people with much harsher crimes than we used to because we've literally done this exact same thing before and it didn't work out. So I have been watching all of the paranormal activity movies this week. Mm. One of the tropes in horror that I think is silly but also enjoy in that way is that a child thinks that they have connected with a spirit 
And then the child is tricked because it's not a ghost or, or a, you know, kind or neutral spirit. It is a demon. Mm. And the energy that you give to the demon makes it stronger. And I feel like engaging with false statistics about human trafficking is like thinking you're talking to a ghost on your Ouija board, you know, and you're Ooh. connecting with this benevolent spirit and you don't know what you're feeding. Right. Like that might be too scary of a metaphor. But I do feel like, you know, if you know, if you share a statistic that's like for awareness and saying like, oh, my God, like this, this horrible thing is happening, according to this Instagram post, <laughs> I'm not going to individually fact check this, because even if it's not right or not completely right, like people still benefit from right. being more vigilant about right. children being abused like that can't be bad. But mm. I think that, you know, that statistic you think you're feeding the child and you think you're feeding like the child's welfare. But you're really feeding Cindy McCain. <laughs> <laughs> and you're feeding QAnon and you're feeding this idea yeah. that, you know, no, like don't pay attention to what's going on. Pay attention to to this story that we are telling right, you. Right. And I don't know if you care about children. There are so many ways to show that. And I think that it's it's bullying mm. to, you know, be throwing around these sensationalistic statistics and these very sort of triggering images and sort of daring people to like not retweet it or to not share it. Right. You're playing like empathetic chicken mm. with people at that point. Right. You're saying like either you pass on my message, either you further this conspiracy theory I'm sharing or you don't care about children. Right. And no one gets to decide how you go about trying to make the world a better place. Mm. I mean, I just think that if you really care about children, you will play them disco. <laughs> Every chance you get. <laughs>